good evening and welcome to our show. Thanks for joining the Cherry Ice Cream Smile podcast, a place where friends who just happen to be Durannies get together to talk about our love of music, pop culture, concerts, and of course, our favorite boys, past, present, and future. Hi, this is Suzanne. I'm Jody. Hi, this is Stephanie. Hi, this is Deanna. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Cherry Ice Cream Smile Podcast. And we are so excited today. We are going to spotlight one of our favorite people on his birthday, Mr. Simon John Charles LeBon. Nicknamed Charlie with a Y. Hey, so, his birthday is October 27th, 1958. Happy birthday, Charlie. Or Happy birthday, <laughs> Charlie. <laughs> So yeah, so we thought it would be fun to take episodes to just, you know, talk about some of our favorite guys, some stuff we've learned from them, some maybe some fun memories, just, you know, focus a little love on them. So anybody have anything to kick off the talk about Simon? One thing I would say is uh, my son was born the day before Simon's birthday. And I remember I was like, oh, come on, come on, just just wait. Can you just, if you could just wait just maybe a little, like another 24 hours, it would be so awesome. But no, he, he didn't. He was ready to go, ready to, ready to make his appearance in the world the day before. And so his birthday is coming up. He'll be 13. So happy birthday to my son. Happy but birthday. Um, Happy birthday. <laughs> but yeah, I... I've, I've learned a lot from this band, and we've talked about this already, just about everything that we've learned and, and, and things. One of, the, one of the really great things was just my vocabulary. <laughs> it was just like, just from the words of the songs, you know, megalomania and desolate, the, the Shakespeare soliloquy and Nightboat video and One Night Stand and Renoir and, you know, all these things that were just like, it, it made me want to learn, okay, well, what does that mean? And just the the sheer poetry of of his lyrics and the songs and everything was was just so wonderful to not only to hear and to listen to, but to also learn and just sort of expand my own horizons at a very early age, at a young age, 12, 13 years old. So I, I love that. And I, I think one of my favorite moments that I will take with me to the grave and beyond was the fact that I was able to share and how I felt about the band and how the band affected me and to thank him personally about it. That is one of the, the most, um, I think, beautiful moments to be able to do that, to actually say that to the person who is in this band that has had such a massive effect on, on one's life. It was really special to be able to share that with Simon and he was so appreciative of it. And it was, you know, one of the times that they were in Austin, it was right when Prince had died. And so we were all in a state of shock and sadness and just the sense of introspection was happening. And it just felt like, okay, I have to, I have to say this because it's just the emotional state that we were in was, it was very raw and very, um, it just, it was just, it's hard to describe when, when that happened. And so I, you know, I know Jody, you were, you were sharing, um, your sentiment as well with, with Simon and it was, it was just, it was just nice. And that, and that's, that's, <laughs> I said, nice. The, <laughs> that moment will just be forever. I will treasure that moment for forever. And, and everything else 
will just be the cherry on top. I, I, I hold that very dear to, to my heart. And it just, I just, his, his presence and his voice, there's no other voice like it. It's just a really great thing to see and, and just the person that he is and everything. And when we were in San Antonio in the front, front, front row and just to be able to experience that, you know, it was just so amazing and just to, to see all of them. But him, his the stage presence he has and it was just um, and to hear him sing like beyond the actual amplification of the microphone to actually hear his voice yeah. like his voice voice, you know what I mean? Because we were so close. We were that close. Yeah. That was also amazing. We could see right up his nose. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and when he spit the water out, yeah, you know, see, and we were in a spray zone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. Oh my gosh, I, I didn't even think about that. It's my part of my wisdom. That night was fantastic. It was. That show was fantastic. So I was flipping through some of my scrapbooks and whatnot, and I do have a copy of his birth certificate here because apparently at some point <laughs> they put them in the magazine. Is that and, from Bob? Oh, yeah. It's from one yeah. of the oh, teen set is what it oh. says. And But let me huh. tell you, on his birth certificate, it says 1958 in one corner, but then in another part it says 1956. Hmm. Yeah. So is there any lying going on oh. in the age? <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. Well, anyways, um, and it says his name is John Frederick Lebon, so maybe some middle names were shifted around. Or no, that's his dad, maybe. I was going to say, isn't that his dad? It is. It says for him, it's Simon John Charles. Okay, so his dad was John Frederick and his mom, Anne Murray. Yeah. Also in this magazine, I thought it'd be fun to just run through, you know, some facts about Mr. Lebon. Fun facts. Uh, fun facts, you know, he was born in Brushy Maternity Hospital near Watford, Hertfordshire, England. I can't say any of that. Parents, John and Anne, brothers and sisters, two we younger. We had that same discussion this week about how to say Hertfordshire. Hertfordshire. <laughs> Apparently, we can't Not say sure. that. <laughs> Her, Hertfordshire, for sure. I can't even experience it at all. So. <laughs> Uh, at the time, his hair color was sandy blonde. His eyes were blue. He's 6'1". He's still a 6'1". He was 160 pounds. Current home, the hills of England. That was vague. Car, Aston Martin, DGB, MK2. And at this point, marital status, single. So oh. get past that married stuff. <laughs> Must have been 1983. Favorite color is blue. Favorite food is fish. Very exciting. Musical performers, David Bowie, The Doors, Peggy Lee. That hasn't changed. Hobbies, fencing, sailing, reading fiction, and autobiographies. Yes, he was very fancy back then. He still is. Well, he's no longer marital status single. He has been married to the lovely Jasmine for many, many years. Jasmine. Jasmine. Did I say Jasmine? Yep, you did. Yasmin, I know her name. <laughs> he has been married to Yasmin for many, many years and has three beautiful daughters and two grandsons now. Is that it? I think we're up to yeah. two. And a bunch of cute dogs. Luigi Lebon is my favorite, oh my I'll just say. <laughs> so in the recent, recent work, he talks all about Luigi. So if you haven't listened to work recently, I need to. He goes nuts over Luigi. Luigi. Luigi is his dog. Well, I go nuts over <laughs> Luigi, too, so I will have to tune into that. <laughs> so, you know, I mean, I just, you know, I mean, just thinking back, I mean, I just love Simon. And he was, he's such an amazing front man. I mean, he keeps the energy going. He really connects with people. 
when we're seeing them live and you know what's what's there not to love so <laughs> stephanie what what do you have thoughts gosh i was i I kind of share the same sentiment as, as Dee expressed. Um, and I, we've touched on it before in previous podcasts. I mean, you know, no one else sounds like Salman Laban. I mean, no one even comes close to sounding like Salman Laban. He is truly a unique front man. And to Dee's point about lyricist and poetry and, you know, he was the first um, person to actually get me to start delving into the lyrical content of a song um, at, you know, 12 years old. I wanted to read all of the lyrics and I wanted to know what it meant and, you know, what the meaning behind certain words were, you know, to a T, like Dee said. And I kind of love that he will never tell you what his lyrics mean. But then at the same time, sometimes I want to want to know exactly are we thinking the same thing you know as to what as to what they they mean so I know he's he is very cheeky about that um subject I mean you know Simon live he's engaging with the crowd and yes we had you know the opportunity and we've had you know several opportunities to be in the very front speaking and having the opportunity um and the privilege to talk to Simon in person um, he sees a lot from the front row. He's paying attention um, yeah. from the from yeah. the stage. He's he is actually um, paying attention. And I'll share a fun fact um, of a time that I got to speak with Simon after a show, and we had um, called a friend. I called a friend from from the uh, front row. And uh, a friend of ours could not be there. And um, when I saw him after the show, he was like, I saw you in the front row on the phone and you were supposed to be paying attention to me. And I was like, well, Simon, you know, we're, I was like, you saw that? And he's like, yeah. And I'm like, uh, we're, you know, we're calling my friend. She couldn't be at the show. She wanted to be at the show. So we thought we'd uh, let her listen in for a little bit. And he was like, okay, but next time. Getting called out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I got called out by Simon. Um, so he's actually, he's, he very much is paying attention to and uh, watching what's going on in the crowd. You know, he's always been gracious, very funny. Um, and back to, you know, the last time that we had the opportunity to speak with him, you know, was in fact, like, I mean, within a couple of hours of Prince passing away. And, mm -hmm. you know, he was definitely an influence and one of his favorite artists as well. And he was visibly, you know, shaken. In that moment, you know, we were just all mourning kind of together, if that makes any sense. Yeah. Um, and he was just kind of one of us, you know, in shock. There was that human side that we, not that, you know, Simon is a human, but, you know, you, you're, you, you know, listen to this man and he's had such a pivotal part in your world for the past, you know, 35 years or so to be in that moment with one of your favorite artists um, and to express the, um, the meaning of this person's existence in your world is is pretty special to have had happen. Yeah, it was yeah, like a agree. collective vulnerability. I mean, it was like yeah. I saw his vulnerability, and we were also there. It was yeah, that that was um, like I said, it, it was special. If if that makes sense, in in a weird, really sad way, mm -hmm. it's, it's a it's a humanity thing. Like yeah. we were able to connect right. on a connected. human level. Now I will call out that his tribute to Prince kind of bothers me. <laughs> okay, <laughs> Suzanne, you've got to let that go. You. <laughs> <laughs> I love the fact that they do a shout out at the end of, you know, of, of like a prayer, but I was hoping for a prayer. Okay. 
<laughs> hey, Madonna. Hey, Jasmine. <laughs> I am drinking a cocktail today, and I haven't done that in a while when we've recorded. So, I, you know, sorry, give me a pat. I love it because it just added some levity to where I was starting to feel like, oh my gosh. I love that both Stephanie and Jamie brought up that day because I was not going to mention that day. So I'm, I'm very happy that we all kind of have that same reverence for that experience because it was, um, I, I left that night after having had this experience and conversation with this person that we're sort of idolizing right now. And I cried the whole way home. In fact, I wasn't even going home. I was going to a, a, a friend's house about 35 miles away. And I cried the whole way home because we had just had this collective mourning and coming together with that person, you know, that person that we spoke to because of who he is and what he's meant to us about this other person who had just died unexpectedly. Like, no, I didn't know that Prince was sick or, 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 you know, otherwise incapacitated. And it was kind of a shock to me so that we all came together, including this guy was, um, I, yeah, I wasn't even going to bring that up. So I like that the two of you have done that. My phone keeps beeping. Sorry. Is it my turn? Yeah. It is. Okay. <laughs> I'm a little lit. So I don't know about you guys just winging it because obviously it's very easy for you to do that. It's easy for me to do that, but I wanted to make sure not to miss anything. Um, a lot of it, too, is because it can be kind of flippant. It can be kind of fangirly. It can be kind of cheeky to say that I want to talk about this person because they mean something to me. To me, this is bigger than that. <laughs> and we, like some of you have referenced already, we've talked about this ad nauseum, and we do this podcast because this band means something to our fabric, to our DNA. So the idea that I'm, I'm talking about Simon isn't quite what I want to convey here. My idea for this was that I wanted to to elaborate on what he has taught me, what what I have become because of him. And you guys have said the words. The words are are the biggest thing I think. The vocabulary that was created after listening to to, to these songs for years. Um, who, what the heck's a Sanhedrinite? I still don't know what a Sanhedrinite is. Although kibbutz was something <laughs> I learned pretty early, and then we learned about George Davids and this guy who has this sorted history and Simon Rose song and put his name in there. We learned, you know, this story about some guy from a different country, and you know, I'm living in Podunk, Louisiana. And learning and listening to and, and, and reading all these things about this person. I have no idea. I mean, heck is Georgie Davis? Well, now I have a little bit of an idea. Um, and then that just builds on geography and the idea that there's this song called Tel Aviv. And I didn't know where the hell Tel Aviv was. And, then, you know, you're 10, 11, 12 years old. You're kind of absorbing information and stuff. And that's where my love of earth and culture and travel and place and where I'm from and what community I'm in started becoming really important. So words and geography, I think, kind of go together with all of that. 
as does, I wrote down literature, books, Shakespeare, and poetry. Dee mentioned the soliloquy in, in Night Boat, and I still quote that one to this day. I think we've talked about that recently on some of our conversations. Um, I, I'm not a Shakespeare fan per se, but I definitely appreciate it. And I want to say that part of it is because that was my introduction and how much better of an introduction can I have than this guy telling me this or like, you know, we're just learning this because I like this guy in the video and he says it. So it, it, it created um, a whole new love of, of um, reading specifically. I, I miss Simon's choices of books. Like he used to do a whole book thing where he would talk about what he's reading and what he likes and things he suggests. And I really miss that because there were some things that he suggested that I read that were super good. And then he, he even in Wish, like he'll reference geographical things. He'll reference cultural things. He'll reference literature, all kinds of things. Caddy will say all the time, you're so smart. And I think that before she says it, like, he's just so smart. Um, I learned that I don't like boats. I don't like boats. There are a couple of reasons. One, you know, you can tump over and nearly drown. But I've tried. And a lot of the reason I've tried sometimes on a boat is, you know, because, well, there's got to be something to it. Simon likes doing it. I don't like to throw up. But every time I get on a boat, I throw up. So I don't like boats. But, you know, Jody, on that, yeah. I love boats. And I love boats for a couple of my dad. I mean, we had a boat when I was little. So partially uh-huh. it was my dad taking me on the boat. But I love sailboat. If I ever have a sailboat, I will like be jumping on the front of it singing Rio. I mean, just because. I mean, why not? So that's funny that that I mean, boats are very important to to Simon particularly, and to me that is the mental image of Simon that I will always have first and foremost in my mind is him just riding on the front of that beautiful sailboat, and it's just so. We're on the end of the spectrum, and that's that's great. <laughs> I've tried. I've tried. But the last time that I tried, I put in a valiant effort. I took two doses of uh, anti-nausea medication or anti-dizzy medication, and it didn't work at all. I did go down in the cage. I was shark diving. I did go down in the cage, but I still got sick. Even down in the water, I can't. No, boats and I do not work. Um, I started reading about horoscopes and things because of, you know, I don't know, sometimes young girls do that stuff and look at who could I be with, who could I match with and all that stuff. But I learned a lot about human nature and like people by reading some of this stuff. And it, it, it came from the lyrics and the words and understanding so, sort of this um, dark side mysticism uh, that Simon has. And I started understanding, you know, just what horoscopes kind of meld together best and what don't and what characteristics and people to appreciate that, that kind of go together and don't and all that. Um, Scorpios and Pisces go together well. The idea that you don't have to play guitar through the whole song is something that I think about a lot. The only time during a show that he picks up a guitar is during Save a Prayer and he strums it a couple of times and he stops. <laughs> so you don't necessarily have to play guitar through the whole song, especially when you have such a fantastic band behind you. Lastly, I think it's probably the most important to me because this is something that keeps coming up and it shocks the crap out of me every time. But um, Ephraim Chad has said when referencing um, our, our environment in Austin that some of his favorite rock stars walk among us. And they're local bands who have made it big and we've all been around them and we've all had opportunities to chat and, and you know, 
see them on multiple occasions in different places and things. But the idea that they walk among us is more about rock stars are humans. And I have recognized in Simon how human he is. And that is such a learning experience because you you do idolize these people and you do think of them in a certain way and you do think of them as more talented than I or smarter than I or whatever. And it's not necessarily the case. They're human. And he shows his humanity to us. And I think that Wush is a big example of that. How he loves and talks about his daughters is an example of that. How he is with us when we are like, wow, we want to talk to you. We want to get your autograph. We want to take your picture. Extremely human. And I appreciate that most of all about Mr. LeBron. Well, that's awesome. That's really good. I appreciate that too. And when you're talking about the guitar, I think we can't um, leave out the tambourine playing. That that happens several times throughout the shows, and then he throws it up. But throws it up. Sometimes he catches it, and sometimes he doesn't. Once okay. hit him in the head. At least I've seen one that hit him in the head. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm Simon. I have He's to a say, wonderful sense of humor too. He does. He does. And I do have to say that Wish has kind of opened my eyes a little bit. Like he's trying to he's trying to bring us into his world. He's trying to introduce us to this stuff that he likes. And it's his form of communication right now because he can't be on stage in front of us and he can't be hanging out with us, kind of chatting with us or whatever. So um, I really appreciate that he's putting himself out there because yeah. this is what he likes. This is what he does. So it's, it's a different form of, of that traveling around and being in different cities night after night and whatever. So connecting. The way you just said that, it's like it's it's actually very intimate. It's actually mm-hmm. more intimate than a two hour set. You know, he you know like to your point about Wush, like he takes spends a lot of time curating these shows and puts a lot of thought and effort um, into these shows. Definitely letting us in. So right. I've read the time that he takes to curate the list. Um, you know, again, some of the artists I've heard of before, some of them I love, some of them, you know, I've been introduced to. Yeah. And, you know, there's the thing around, you know, social media that it's like, and we've always said this, you know, the people that introduce you to, to new music are important. And, um, you know, it's not like Simon wasn't important, but, you know, he's one of those important people who have influenced and shaped certain things in, in our past. So I would agree with that. You know, and I, and I love how both of y'all have just talked about his word because mm-hmm. if we think about other bands, especially back in the day, you know, everybody kind of had their, their bands that they were super fans of. I think that's part of why maybe we are still so attached to them because they really, I feel like his lyrics ran deeper than some other bands at, at the time for sure. And it made us dig into these things. It made us seek out, like, what does that mean? You know, to Stephanie's point, he won't say what it means. So the same song could mean something different to every single one of us. And that's why he doesn't want to say. He wants to leave that to our imaginations. And I really, I really appreciate that. So I think that's something special that that Simon specifically brings to Duran Duran. And it's also, we should point out, he was the last official member to join. You know, and they had tried to find a lead singer and it just wasn't working, wasn't working. But then when he walked in and those leopard tights or pants or whatever and came up with his little poetry book I mean it it stood out to the guys that were already there and they saw that it was special too I was thinking that too like how it's 
that story gets repeated over and over and over again. He's even told it a couple of times and how that's kind of him saying it's okay to be yourself. It's okay to walk into a place where you don't know anybody with your lyric book, which is essentially your deepest thoughts your most vulnerable self in pink leopard skin pants and still bring a job. You know, I mean, I, I, I appreciate that. And just to just to circle back to Wush real quick, I, um, I don't like bringing this up because it feels kind of deep or whatever, but the um, episode where they um, were celebrating the 25th episode, um, he has said he was embarrassed by the way some of that happened and how some of us were not happy with that situation. And that just lends to the depth of how much he wants us to be part of this. So um, I just I just appreciate that. And, and he's human. He's human. And that's, I think, the biggest take I'm getting from this. I think one of the things talking Steph, when, Suzanne when you were talking about the you know the the lyricists and and you know at the, for the time I think that's a really good point because in the 80s there were only a handful of bands that had really intricate deep meaningful abstract lyrics I think right. like the, the Cure is like the one band yeah Duran uh, Duran is there right yeah. and and those are the ones that come to mind. You know, there's there's definitely others. And oftentimes, you know, Duran doesn't get that acknowledgement, right? Just because of the, the, the things that, that surrounded them with, you know, the, the teeny bopper aspect and that sort of thing. But the lyrics are incredible, like The Cure, like Depeche Mode, and like some, you know, some other bands that, that from the 80s that, that had that, had that, you know, and that's all, that's all Simon. But if you think of it too, like The Cure and Depeche Mode didn't necessarily have hits where everybody could right. hear it. Until the mid-80s, where Duran was, um, I mean, what was the first? Wow. Number one was, Is There Something I Should Know? So there was Rio and Hungry, Is There Something You Should Know? And I think that they were first. I mean, who knows the reference to Rio? Like, I understood it. That was ge- geographical. That was like, you know, a whole travel idea. And then they, they go and make the video. And the only other one that might have been at the same time so lyrically important was U2. Yeah, and for sure. I don't think that even that was like a number one situation until 84, 85. I think, I think the police had some lyrics, especially like on Synchronicity 2 and everything, because there, there was a lot of, you know. Which was 83. Symbolism and all of that. Yeah, yeah. Well, there you are with with with, my, with Sting because Sting is an English teacher, right? Right. Yes. Yeah. Right. Well, right. he's one of my top five lyricists as well, too. So that's yeah. a surprise. Yeah. yeah. But I, I will yeah, call out none of us are referencing Wham, and at the time it was always like the Durannies and the Wham fans. I mean, God rest his soul. I'm not saying anything bad about George Michael, but the, the at least the lyrical depth was quite different between those those two bands. And <laughs> You know, one thing is, is you're talking about Simon specifically in the, the documentary, is there something I should know when he goes to the church and talks about being a choir boy, you know, we've talked about that also, but you know, that was really a special thing too, because he brought some of that classical training with him and some of that respect. And you hear that, I think a lot of the harmonies and different things. And when he does that in that documentary, I, that's just a really 
sweet part of that documentary to see him kind of revisit that part of his life as well. And he talks about how he doesn't really read music or write music for other parts, but his choir training helps him hear those other parts. So he can put it together, but not kind of, you know, officially write it out. I love that. Yeah. Well, and I think if, if we're going to focus on Mr. LeBon, I think we'd be amiss not to talk a little bit about his hair over the years. What is what is your favorite <laughs> haircut? Anyone have a favorite? I mean, I, I don't know. I, mean, I love the sandy blonde, but that's yeah, what I need first. I like and I don't know, and I don't know if it's what you know first is what is your favorite necessarily. But he went through that kind of long mullet in Wild Boys, and then I, I don't want I your like love. We had the bob, and then. <laughs> We had the really short hair for Big Thing, right? Is that when he had yeah, the... Uh, yeah, he had that's really short hair in the um, wedding album, that one. Wedding that album, album, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Liberty Error was the short hair buzz almost. Yeah, yeah, he did that too. I like Up to Arcadia. You like his like, hair up to Arcadia? Yeah, Up to Arcadia. And then maybe that curly that curly kind of stuff he was doing during... Um, I Don't Want Your Love? Where it was yes. like the bob, the kind of curly? A little bit longer. Like almost, Michael Hutchinson kind of feel. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Almost Michael mm, Hutchinson. Yeah. I liked Girls on Film and Wild mm-hmm. Boys. Mm-hmm. And I liked the Wild Boys hair because, yeah, it was longer and he was just scruffier. And I liked to see that. I liked seeing that. Wild. He was wild. I liked the wild. <laughs> <laughs> he almost died getting stuck on that windmill. <laughs> or at least he says that. Sometimes I'm like, hmm, is that an embellished story? Or <laughs> I think it was the creature. Yes, the creature. The creature, <laughs> the creature that went on oh. to star in uh, Princess Bride. Do you ever notice that it looks like those monsters in Princess Bride kind of a little bit? No. No, I don't think I Yeah. Well, or the rats are swimming. There's some part of Princess Bride where they're in the dark water, too, and it always reminded me of wild things, which, I mean, <laughs> wild things. I know. I am Put down your trick, Suzanne. I know, you are cut off. I'm I'm wanting Sangria in the park today, you know. I'm not Sangria, but I'm not forgetting. <laughs> I'm just verklempt. Duran, Duran, neither a Duran. Discuss what you know. <laughs> so, any, you know, any other before we wrap this uh, up? I mean, happy birthday, yes, happy yes, birthday, yes, Simon! Yes, a wonderful, wonderful birthday. I want, I want to mention we are yes that this band could not be this band without this voice. Agreed. And nope. um, we have experienced other bands attempting to fill that void when it happens, and it's not the same. But this is not even—it's not even possible. No, that no. voice nope. is so important. That voice is so specific. That voice is so unique that this band would not be this band without that voice. Agree. 100%. Absolutely agreed. A thousand percent. End of story. Happy birthday, Simon. We are so very glad that you were born. (laughs) Yes, we are. Yes, we are. Thank you for tuning in to the Cherry Ice Cream Smile podcast. We are so glad you could hang out with us for a while. Please subscribe to this podcast on your favorite podcast player, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and you can even find us if you ask Alexa. Make sure to also follow our Instagram page too. See you again real soon.